Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Authentic 2, a study of the letter of 2 John. The short letter of 2 John is full of big topics, helping to define an authentic Christian faith and life. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. Again, I'm really glad to have everyone here today, whether in person or watching online as I actually am. Uh, I'm coming to you by video because as probably you know by now, uh, Linda and I were potentially exposed to coronavirus this week. Uh, we were with someone who did have it. And so as a result, we are in quarantine. And uh, so uh, because it was late enough to try and rearrange things we decided the best thing to try and do is just to have me continue the series and to video it so sorry i'm not there in person with everyone but uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into god's word together we're going to be continuing our series called authentic two as we are looking at second john and uh, we're going to be looking at second john chapter uh, there's only one chapter verses one to four of second john uh, we're going to be looking uh, at those, and I encourage you as well, uh, there, there's a sheet there on the seats for everybody in the church where you can kind of follow along. Everybody at home, you'll need to have a Bible. Uh, we're not going to have everything up on the screens this morning, but I want to encourage you as always to really dive into God's Word. And with that, I do want to note that when you get the email with the uh, discussion guide, uh, this week, it lists a couple other teachings that you can study to dive further into the topic we're doing uh, today, always referencing back to our series on 1 John that was called Authentic. I encourage you to dive in and do that. Let's just uh, be digging into God's Word together. So with that, let's go ahead and we're going to open up and read 2 John verses 1 to 4. So I encourage you now to hear the word of the true and living God. The elder, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. Today I want to talk about the topic of authentic truth. And when we use a word like authentic truth, the, the question that can come to mind is, what is truth? And this is a, a well-known saying of Pontius Pilate. You remember when Jesus was before him, uh, Jesus said he had come to testify of the truth. And Pilate, you can hear the weariness almost in his voice, says, what is truth. He, he's caught up in an array of political maneuvering and everything else, and the idea of truth seems so distant to Pilate. And in fact, there have been many different ideas of, uh, regarding truth and arguments over what is the truth down through the ages. Uh, and in fact, in our own day, it's become a real struggle, and many people kind of repeat Pilate's words, what is truth? Uh, in 2020, I spent the year reading all of the books of Francis Schaeffer, the great Christian apologist in the uh, 20th century. And one of the things he really dealt with was that it was critical that we understand there is such a thing as truth. He even coined the phrase true truth, 
because the, the idea of truth had lost so much of its meaning in our current culture. And so we today want to ask ourselves, uh, what is authentic truth? Because in our culture, it's very often there's my truth and your truth, and maybe I don't even believe in truth. But we need to understand John's writing to tell us, no, there is truth. There is an authentic truth that can be known and must be obeyed. So that's what we want to talk about today uh, as we dive in. Now, I want to begin by pointing out to us the fact that the Apostle John, in many ways, you could think of him as the Apostle of Truth. Notice in these verses how many times the word truth comes up right here at the beginning of the letter. John says in verse 1, writing to the chosen lady and her children, who I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. And then in verse 2, he says, I'm doing this because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. And then in verse 3, he speaks that blessing we looked at last week of grace, mercy, and peace be upon us, uh, the, will be with us in truth and love. And then in verse 4, he says, It's given me great joy to see some of your children walking in the truth. So John, five times in these four verses. And in fact, if you go and you look in, uh, across the New Testament, 2 John and 3 John are the highest concentration of the word truth in the entire New Testament. It's impossible to read these verses and miss out the key idea of truth. One doesn't have to go get a doctorate in theology to be able to look at this and say, John's very concerned about truth. And in fact, what he's gonna do in the rest of the letter is, be, uh, is gonna be unpacking this idea of truth and what it means uh, for us to live and walk in authentic truth. And this is not just here in 2 John. Again, 2 and 3 John are the highest concentration in the entire New Testament. But John uses the idea of truth, the word truth, more often than any other writer in the New Testament. John uses the word truth 45 times. That's out of 109 in the entire New Testament. So about 40% of the usages of truth in the New Testament belong to the Apostle John, and he's by no means 40% of the writings in the New Testament. So in many ways, we can think of John as the Apostle of Truth. And he's writing this, and he's writing it to the church, and to the members in the church because he wants us to understand for Christians the truth is a central concern and we must not become weary in our pursuit of the truth nor willing to compromise the truth for personal comfort within our culture or with our friends or whoever else we need to be people of the truth so what is authentic truth well John's going to tell us five things here that we can pay attention to that are part of us understanding and knowing the truth. First John tells us that authentic truth is the truth. There, there's not many authentic truths. There's not my truth and your truth. There is the truth. Notice again in verses 1 to 4, we're told uh, to the chosen later and children whom I love in the truth is how the NIV translates. Actually, the the word the is not there in the Greek. I'll come back to that in a minute. But it is later on where it says, not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth. Uh, and then notice down in verse 4, it's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Now, two of those times there that I just read, 
the Greek is explicit. There is the word the. John's letting us know, and, and it's really in all four of them. He's not just speaking of something being, you know, truly this way or I feel kind of important. He's speaking of the truth or what Francis Schaeffer, as I mentioned ago, uh, referred to as true truth. Uh, and this is uh, explicit a couple of times here and implicit in the other places here in John's writing. He wants them to understand authentic truth is the truth. Uh, this is why John goes on to warn the church about error. There is real truth and real error. Some things are true and other things are false. Notice in verses 7 and 8, John says, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. They've gone out in the world, and any such person as the deceiver and the antichrist, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. So notice here in verses 7 and 8, John's saying, look, there's not only truth, there's deception, there's falsehood. And there are people who are deceivers. They are going out into the world uh, in a deceiving manner, carrying forth error. And John warns us in verse 8, this error is not without consequence. To embrace the error is to bring ourselves trouble. It is to lose what we have already gained. And so it's critical that we understand right now at the beginning, the first point is Pilate and post-modernity are simply wrong in their question of what is truth. There really is no truth. There's my truth and your truth and all this. The fact is, according to the Word of God, there is truth, and that truth can be known. So that's the first point. Authentic truth is the truth. Secondly, we have the point that authentic truth is centered on Jesus Christ, and I'll unpack this a little bit more in a couple of weeks as well. But John tells us in verse 7, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as having come in the flesh have gone out in the world. Any such person uh, is the deceiver and the antichrist. So notice a couple of things here. Authentic truth is ultimately centered on Jesus Christ, his person and his redemptive work. And the reason for this is because we're told by John and another one of his writings, it's always good when you're reading John to look across his writings and see where he's talked about this in other places. And one of the first things John tells us about Jesus is this. In John 1.14, we looked at this verse last week on grace, but we're told the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. When Jesus comes, he comes full of truth. And so John is letting us know that, that Jesus is the central person in authentic truth. And this is developed further. John knows this not because of something he's saying on his own, but because Jesus told him not only is Jesus full of truth, Jesus is the truth. In John 14, 6, famous verse that many of us have heard before, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Notice he's not a way, he is the way. He is not a truth, he is the truth. He is not a life, he is the life. So Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And so to abandon the truth is to abandon Jesus Christ. And to abandon Jesus Christ is to abandon the truth. 
One cannot embrace the grace of Christ while rejecting the truth of Christ. He is full of grace and truth. The two go together. And so this is why John's giving such an emphasis to truth in his letter, because our commitment to Jesus is a commitment to the truth, and a commitment to the truth should lead to a commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, this leads on to the third point, which is not only that there is authentic truth, and secondly, that it's centered on Jesus Christ, but thirdly, that authentic truth is recorded for us in the Scripture. Notice down in verse 9 of 2 John, John says this, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So the teaching of Christ or the truth about Christ is recorded in this teaching of Christ. And scholars debate a little bit on, on exactly how to read the Greek there. There's two ways. It could be the teaching that Jesus actually did. So, for example, in John's case, the things that are recorded there in the sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of John, or it could be the teaching that is centered on and focused on Jesus Christ, the teaching about Jesus Christ. And either one of them is possible from the Greek uh, that, that John uses right here. And in a sense, you really can't split the two up. It certainly includes the words of Jesus. When Jesus is speaking and teaching, that is authentic truth. But furthermore, when the apostles recorded their words regarding Jesus and when they taught us, that is equally authentic truth. The entire biblical teaching about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation is ultimately authentic truth. So we see this actually Jesus himself in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 is praying for us as believers. And he says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus here praying, he's recognizing by, by your word there, he's not talking about himself in this case, he's talking about the written word of God. And he says God's word, the scripture, is truth. See, this is why John said there in 2 John 1, 9, we have to continue in the teaching about Jesus because that teaching is the truth. To abandon the teaching of Christ that is recorded in the scripture is to abandon Christ himself. One cannot embrace Christ while rejecting the scripture, nor could one embrace the scripture while rejecting Christ. This is critical for us to understand because any other supposed ideas any revelations that somebody claims to have from the Holy Spirit that disagree with the Scripture, especially in its essential message regarding Jesus, who He is and what He's done, they are actually antichrist deception and have to be rejected. Did you notice what you know, John said? That if, they, if they've got this other teaching about who Jesus is this, that does not align with the teaching regarding Christ in the Scripture, they are the Antichrist, John tells us in John chapter 7. Again, I will come back to that in a couple of weeks, but it's critical for us to understand the stakes here are high. The truth is contained in the Word of God, and anything that lines up with that Word is truth, and whatever goes against that Word is error. So it is impossible to be devoted to Christ and to reject the Scripture as God's truth. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, 
You have to hold to, believe, cling to the scripture as God's absolute truth. This is why it was about 100 years ago, uh, it started a little about 120 years ago, a young man named J. Gresham Machen, uh, who had been raised in the Christian faith, he was working his way along to a doctorate, and he went to Germany to receive his doctorate, which many young ministers did. And while he was there, he came in contact with teachings uh, that were you know, becoming all the rage in Germany and were just starting to come back to America. And these teachings said, well, the Bible's not really true. You can't really test that. You know, we have to break this down. The Bible's not actually accurate. It doesn't mean Jesus was actually raised from the dead. We don't think Jesus actually said these things. And J. Gresham Machen's faith was shaken. He went through kind of a dark night of the soul, so to speak. But he eventually wrestled through and looked at it and said, no, the scripture is true. And what these teachers are saying is a lie. This is truth. That is error. And Machen came back and was a teacher at Westminster Seminary. He taught Greek. But eventually, he was defrocked by the liberal Presbyterian church at that time. It was growing increasingly liberal. And they actually kicked him out. They defrocked him. And Machen wrote a book regarding this. And he named it Christianity and Liberalism not speaking of political liberalism, but theological liberalism. And what he said is, you can't say that there is, I'm not speaking of conservative Christianity and liberal Christianity. I'm speaking of two different religions. There is Christianity that believes the Bible is the word of God, that believes in the virgin birth, that believes in the miracles of Christ, that believes in the resurrection of Jesus. And then there is another faith that denies those things. And it is not Christianity. It is not rooted in Christ. It is a rejection of Jesus Christ. And Machen was correct because to reject the scripture is to reject Christ. And if we embrace Jesus, we must embrace his word contained in the scriptures. So that's the third point. We have that authentic truth is the truth. There really is truth. Secondly, it is centered on Jesus Christ. Thirdly, that is recorded for us in the scriptures. And then fourth, for us as believers, authentic truth indwells in us and is experienced by us because of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. In other words, truth is not just out there. It is inside us. Now, why do I say this? Notice in verse 2, of our text today, uh, John is you know, saying that he's writing to the dear uh, lady and her children, the chosen lady and her children, whom he loves in truth. And then in verse 2, he says, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. So the truth is not just out there. John says it now dwells inside us. So it is true that the truth is out there. It is out there in the scripture, as I just stated. It, it is Jesus Christ is the truth. But because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the truth now lives inside of us. So by the Spirit, we who are Christians experience the truth of God as an inward reality and as a daily sustaining presence. See, there's these deceivers that have gone out in the world, but we have the Holy Spirit who is in us uh, bringing the truth and implanting it down in our souls and then working it out into our lives. And we know this, that it's the Holy Spirit he's speaking of here because 
John is kind of reflecting back again. It's always good to read these short little letters in light of what he's written before, and it's multiple places, but one that you can see is in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, to his followers after his death, and he says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Notice all these same words. He's going to be with you. He's going to be with you forever. He is the truth. He's, he was with you, but now he's going to be in you. All of these phrases that were there in verse 2 lives with us, uh, in us, and will be with us forever. All of this is referenced back to the Holy Spirit whom John calls the Spirit of Truth. And he tells us, Jesus here is speaking uh, in John chapter 14, telling us that when we were in the world, the truth was at best an external idea, something that was out there. But when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us and to empower us, and he makes the truth a living reality inside the heart of the believer. And this is essential for you and me to grasp because the daily internal witness and the power of the Holy Spirit is given to sustain us in the truth, preserving us from deception and empowering us to walk in the Spirit and in obedience to God's law. So notice this is a comfort for you and me because we may say, well, you know what? I believe there is truth. I believe it could be known. Uh, I may even know that it's surround, you know, centered on Jesus Christ, and you know, and I believe the Bible's word. But there's all this deception. There's all these things out there. How am I going to be able to find the truth? John here is saying, look, the truth's not just out there. The truth dwells in you by the person of the Holy Spirit. He's going to keep prompting you towards the truth, and He's going to empower you. And that empowering leads to the fifth and final point for us to think about, which is that authentic truth produces an obedient lifestyle. Authentic truth produces an obedient lifestyle. So notice what John says. This is in verses 4 and 6. In verse 4, he says, It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And then down in verse 6, he picks up this idea again. He says, this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to come back and deal with an obedient love, what it looks like to have authentic love and how that's related to obedience as well. But notice here that John's telling us to, to embrace authentic truth is not merely or simply that we believe right doctrine. It does include that. The doctrine is very important. We need to believe the right things. But if we are really committed to authentic truth, it must produce an obedient lifestyle. John says, I have joy, not just that your children believe the truth, but that they are walking in the truth. Those who are committed to authentic truth must be growing each day in increasing obedience to God and His Word, to God's Word and His Spirit, that we are to uh, receive God's Word and then obey God's Word. Now, 
This is important for us, and hear me on this, and I'll come back to this in applying the word in a moment, but those who are committed to authentic truth will restrain their words and their actions. They, they don't want to engage in speaking half-truths because they're committed to authentic truth, nor will they give in to the spirit of lawlessness that is so common in our age. Rather, they're going to be restrained by the truth so that they speak truth and they act in truth, regardless of what someone else is doing. It doesn't matter that someone else is speaking error. I don't speak error back. It doesn't matter that they've distorted the truth and only spoke half the truth and hide half of it. We don't engage in that. If we are committed to authentic truth, we speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And our actions are restrained by truth, not what's going to work. We don't believe the ends justify the means. We believe the means of truth is of critical importance. Again, I'll come back to that in a moment, but that's what it means to walk in the truth. And so we see here in these five things that authentic truth, there is authentic truth, and it's been revealed in Jesus Christ. It's recorded for us in the scripture. We experience it by the indwelling person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit, and it is displayed in a life of obedience to God and His Word. This is what it means to be people of authentic truth. Now, I want us to dive in and think about how do we apply this? How do we apply this authentic word regarding authentic truth? Uh, three questions, and we'll close with prayer. First, do I know that there's authentic truth? Now, I've just spent you know, a period of time here speaking and teaching that there's authentic truth, but I realize uh, John spoke very true. There are many deceivers out in the world, and in our age, our postmodern world, very cynically, like Pilate, even denies that truth exists. It's become very, very popular. If people speak of truth, they, they literally, this is my truth, and that is your truth. There is no such thing, okay? What I have that I call my truth, it's either true or it's not. It is either right or it is wrong. But see, in our culture, there's only one allowable truth, and that is that there is no such thing as truth. It's just our own opinions, and very often it's, you know, this is nothing but a power play and all of that. But friends, we have to state this very clearly. That whole line of reasoning is utter foolishness and it is a denial of Christ, and it is ultimately a denial of reality. We, we today even deny who we are as human beings. It doesn't matter what I am, what body I'm born with. We think that whatever I declare to be the truth is the truth, but that is utter foolishness. That emperor is naked, and it doesn't matter how beautiful everybody says his clothes are, he's naked. There's nothing there. But we live in the, a culture, the air you breathe tells you every day there is no such thing as authentic truth. This view is pressed upon us by mass media. It's pressed upon us in social media, the arts and entertainment, and even many preachers today want to speak in terms like this. But friends, we cannot believe this. 
Now, let me be clear, much of this is being done to support the new re, uh, uh, revolution, the new morality that is going on. We have been engaging and moving down a path of a sexual revolution since at least the 1960s, and that revolution is demanding a new form of truth. It Because it wants to argue that what has been considered immoral forever, what's been considered false and not true forever, is now to be embraced as moral and to be accepted as the new truth. And so we're being told, and we're going to hear this increasingly, that the church must change or it will be irrelevant. We may be drummed out of the public square in certain places. Make no mistake, that may well be coming towards us. But uh, we're told that our truth has to change to be with the times. Friends, we cannot give in to that. That is, that is a denial of authentic truth, which is therefore a denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question for me in applying the word is, have I bought into these lies with either my mind or my emotions? Because we can do both. See, when you watch a movie, they will distort the truth, and their goal is to draw you in. And when they draw you in, they're trying to get you to think, you know, well, maybe I thought this was true. The scripture says this is evil, but it didn't seem that bad to me. Or I know friends, and the scripture says that's an immoral lifestyle, but it seems to me like they really love one another. We go by what the word of God says. We stand by the scripture. Have I bought into these lies? Friends, you're breathing this air 24 hours a day, and so am I. Are we buying into it or are we holding on to the word of God? And do we see that according to what John said, this idea, this denial of Christ is actually the spirit of the Antichrist, John tells us. The, the Antichrist, it is literally set against Christ. So the stakes are really high here. And friends, we must understand the true church will never, ever compromise authentic truth for current ease or popularity. Bay Ridge stands on the truth. Bay Ridge Christian Church is biblically based. We hold to the word of God. And woe unto us the day that we are willing to compromise truth for ease, for getting along in the culture, for not being in trouble with the powers that be. The day we do that, we cease to be part of the church of the living God. We actually become irrelevant by doing so. So that's the first question. Do I know that there is authentic truth? Secondly, am I in authentic truth? Am I walking in authentic truth? Again, John tells us we're surrounded by deceptive beliefs and actions. That, that was true then. It's equally true, if not more so true today. But I want to encourage you, God has given you everything you need. He has given me everything we need. You remember, Jesus told us that sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So how am I going to be sanctified? How am I going to be set apart? How am I going to know the truth and embrace the truth in this world of deception and lies? Well, the first thing is we have the word of God. It is given to us. So the question then would be, am I being sanctified by the scripture daily? You remember a few weeks ago, Simeon taught the final teaching in 2020, really good teaching on 
Sola Scriptura on the importance of the Word of God, and he laid a challenge out and said, let's soak in the Word of God every day in 2021 for this to uh, really be our resolution, if you will, for the new year. I want to encourage you, are you doing that? Am I doing that? Am I soaking in the Word? And, and let me put it this way. Am I soaking in the Word more than I am other media? Do you spend more time in the Word of God or more time scrolling through your social media feed? Do you spend more time in the Word of God or on that website that you count as your news source that's telling you the secrets of what's really going on in our nation's capital? Which one are you meditating upon day and night? I said during Advent, I encourage people to even take a fast from some stuff. I want to challenge you. Are, are you spending more time in the scripture than you are on these other media? Because if you are not, you are opening yourself up to deception. So is the truth renewing my mind and sanctifying my desires so that they align with authentic truth? Or is my mind and my desires, are they being shaped by the, the, the ideas and the ways and the thoughts of this world? Uh, the other thing that God has done is he's given us the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned, we not only have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us daily. But friends, we need to cry out to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have we uh, cried out for the filling of the Spirit? He's the Spirit of truth and he dwells in us, but we have to cry out for fresh filling regularly. I say this all the time. I, I don't care if you were filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. Are you being filled today? In Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to excess, but be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a present, continuous uh, tense that he's using there. Are we being filled with the Spirit? See, we need the Spirit so that we can walk with him uh, in Paul's terms, so that we can keep in step with him, so that the truth is not out there, but in here. And I'm being uh, experienced at learning to hear from the Holy Spirit. So is that uh, true of me? And the last area here in authentic truth, and then we'll close with prayer, is not only am I in the Word, and am I being filled with the Spirit, but here's what that ushers in, which is that my actions will be guided and restrained by the Word and the Spirit. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's not enough to believe the truth. It has to guide our behavior. It doesn't matter if I believe stealing is wrong if I keep going out and stealing things. It doesn't matter if I say that I'm a person, I'm committed to the truth, if I then spread half-truths or outright lies. It doesn't matter that I say I'm committed to the truth. I'm actually committed to error in that case. The scripture, the truth, must guide our behavior. Now, let me be very clear. Our culture is increasingly characterized by unrestrained words and behavior. People will say or do virtually anything to get their way. They don't verify whether something is true or not. If it fits their narrative, they will post it, they will spread it, 
They will tell people about it. They will go on and they will live as if it's true. But we cannot behave in that manner. Let me be as blunt as I can. We must not, if we are going to be people of the authentic truth, we must not engage in careless speech or unrestrained behavior. The truth puts a lock on our lips and it corrals our behavior in such a manner that we realize the ends does not justify the means. And if to get what I want, I have to speak half-truths, then I'm willing to risk not getting what I want. When the other side in a debate with me starts using half-truths and I am so tempted to use them, I don't use them. I speak the truth and I let the chips fall where they may. And I am restrained in my behavior. The other side may behave a certain way. That doesn't mean I can't. You watch constantly when, when somebody does something that's wrong, people will immediately leave it and say, well, but the other side. Friends, that's like chimpanzees in cages throwing their feces at one another. We don't need to be engaged in that kind of behavior. We are restrained in our words and our behavior by the truth of God. And we trust God that if we stand for the truth, truth will win eventually. It might not win this day. It might not win this week or month or year. It might not even win during your lifetime and my lifetime, but it will win eventually. And we want to be found being people of the truth. So am I trusting God enough to let authentic truth be a leash on my words and my actions, be a lock on my lips and a, a, a leash on my actions and my behavior? Am I trusting God enough to do that? Because it's very tempting in a culture that promotes deception and in a culture that promotes living however you want and spinning your narrative to show why it was okay, it's very tempting to behave in that manner. But if we do that, we're denying the truth. And ultimately, that means by our behavior, we're denying Christ himself. That's how high the stakes are for us. So I want to challenge us. Let's receive the word from John, the apostle of truth, and say, yes, John, we want to bring joy to your heart because we, the children of this chosen lady, we are walking in the truth. Friends, I pray that God will bless his word to us. And let's close here with a word of prayer, and then we'll have a benediction. Father, it is challenging when we consider that there has been deception loose in this world. It was loose in the days that the Apostle John wrote this letter. We see evidence of it down through the annals of time and human history. And Father, we can see it all around us. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. But Lord, we want to be people of the truth the authentic truth. Lord, we recognize from your word that there is truth. You've revealed that truth to us in Jesus Christ. 
and you've recorded for it for us in the pages of the scripture. So Lord, we ask that you would keep us tethered to the word of God, that our thoughts, our words, our attitudes and desires, our actions would be in accord with the truth, that they would bring honor to Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit of the living God, I cry out for you to fall fresh on us. Spirit of God, I ask you to fill us to overflowing so that, Lord, when we start to be tempted by error, that you would pull us back. That, Holy Spirit, when we find it tempting to speak something that is not true, you would put a lock on our lips. That, Lord, when we are about to pass on something that is not right, that is not in accord with what actually has happened or what is actually true, Lord, would you put a check in our spirit? And Spirit of the living God, would you open the truth of the word to us? Would you form it inside us and then empower us to walk in it? Lord, we want not just in our thoughts, but in our actions to be people of the truth. Lord, in a culture that doubts truth, may we give uh, adequate and good testimony to the truth. In a culture where people crave power and will behave in any manner to get it, Lord, may we be people who live restrained by the truth to walk out in a manner that would be in accord with your truth, that would be glorifying and pleasing to you, and therefore ultimately good for the people around us. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We ask that you would stir up the Spirit within us, stir us up in our conversations with one another. Lord, we want to be people of the authentic truth. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. We're now going to uh, have a word of benediction, so you can go ahead and stand up, and Tony Marsh is going to come forward and speak a word of blessing and benediction over us, and I look forward to seeing you all soon. God bless. Thanks, Brett. I know you're watching. Um, our benediction today is from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 32. Uh, these uh, Acts tells us these are the final words of Paul to the elders from Ephesus at the town of Miletus before he journeyed to Rome, where we know he was eventually beheaded for the gospel. Receive the benediction. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God bless. Go and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.